We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters where we're recording from, the Awabakal and Wanarua peoples. We acknowledge the Awabakal and Wanarua elders, both past and present. on the field for the Newcastle Knights. Darren Tracy's first touch of the footy. Now Andrew John. Tights a little hole himself. He's close. Right. He reaches out. That's a try to Andrew John. Root strength from the little halfback. And that's a good reward for a great game in his debut match for the Newcastle Knights in first grade. Andrew John scores the try and that should wrap it up for the night. Coming to you live from the Wapakal and Wanarua lands, this is the Bay 53 Podcast, part of the Sports Best Friends Podcasting Network, and we are proudly brought to you by the A-plus contracting and polywelding. The men's NRL season has kicked off, and the Knights have left the F's the SCG with a famous first up victory over the Roosters in the biggest upset of the round. There is plenty of NRL and NRLW to talk about, but your Bay 53 boys are pumped and they're ready for the rest of the men's season. Bretto, can you believe it? A mighty and historic day for the Newcastle Knights to kick off season 2022. Sorry, Carlo, I can't quite hear you, mate. I'm in the line for grand final tickets. Do you want me to get <laughs> How many do we need, brother? I'm surprised you can understand me, mate. My voice is all but gone. I do not know how we're going to be recording this today. <laughs> oh, mate. I'm, I, I barely slept last night. I just laid in bed going, this didn't happen, did it? Really? Did it happen? Did that happen? Really? So I, good. I, um, even when full-time, like... I knew how we were carrying on in the game yesterday. The full-time whistle went. We're jumping around. I'm like, you'd think we'd won a grand final. I'm like, nope, I don't care. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah, bugger that crap of act like you've been here before. No, no, we haven't been there before. That's I'm right. Like I'm enjoying that shit. <laughs> you could tell the difference between the two sets of fan bases as the, as the Roosters were like, right, well, we'll shake off that first round loss and we'll try and look towards next week. And the Knights fans are jumping around going, we don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's great. It's so uh, good. I just want it to not ever end. Please. This is great. <laughs> it was... Um, it was just It was just a, an astounding day. It was... Um, so the the night the men's team and we'll, we'll obviously get to the NRLW as well. Um, the men's team won. That was their first ever victory in the NRL at uh, playing at the SCG. Twenty points to six over Premiership heavyweights, the Sydney Roosters, and biggest upset of the round. We were the biggest outsiders with betting agencies coming into this round, and we 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 won. I I still don't know how we did it. Yeah, mate. Um, I was always confident we'd put in a performance, but, you know, I thought it'd be a good performance in a loss. Like, yeah, that blew me away yesterday. Um, I think even after 20 minutes, I think we were – because we were ahead after about 20 – anyway, shortly before Dane scored the first try, you sort of start to, you sort of started to feel, as a Knights fan, this is the part of the game where the better team starts to just – 
pull away from us. Like we've done, and I was just really happy by that stage that you know we'd come to the SCG and we weren't two or three tries down like we normally are. And I'm like, yeah, we're putting in today. This is great. Um, but there was a part of me that was just waiting for the inevitable, where the the Roosters would click into the next gear, and then we'd start to try and catch up with them for the rest of the game, and that that didn't happen. Yeah, and they, they tried to. They tried to up the ante many times, but every time they did, we went with them and went further than them. Yeah, no, um, yeah, it was real. You're right. They at one stage, yeah, not long before the um the gags tried, the Roosters really started to you know lift their line speed and run onto it a bit harder and um, now we went with them and then we got a bit of luck with that gag straight away we went. We're, we're obviously going to spend a fair amount of our time to uh, this episode or these episodes depending on how much <laughs> how much we talk um, talking about the men's game um, have to have to mention the un, uh, I think unlucky women's result in the NRLW uh, kickoff I think the um, the final score there being uh, 28 to 12 or 10, 28 to 10. Yeah, um, yeah tough loss for the for the women beforehand. Uh, I did not think that the scoreline reflected the um, the game, the quality or the the, comp- the competitiveness of the game itself. No, you're absolutely right, mate. Um, yeah, the girls, you know, the Roosters were deserving winners. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But the girls got the rough end of the pineapple many times and. You know, in that sort of heat, if you're not getting the ball and the flow of penalties to go against you, it's it's tough sledding. And that's exactly right. And you sort of, you know, for a team that's only playing their third game ever, um, you know, they'll take a lot of lessons from that, obviously. But um, you're right. The, the result was the result. And that, that was the way it, it's sort of gone. Um, but you just sort of get the feeling that it may be a bit more experienced team that had spent more time together you know, would have seen, you know, how they can react to various things that went against them and, and you know, potentially gotten a different result on the day. So they they, um, they put in another solid performance again, but unfortunately they just couldn't get the win and, uh, yeah, they, they find themselves bottom of the NRLW table. Yeah, no, they're really playing, you know, really hot, strong for the jersey, but you can tell they're a team that was sort of, you know, put together at the last minute. You know, the, the Kiwi girls combine well and the Cowboys girls combine well, but they don't seem to cross that co- combination real well. And, and that's what, what lets us down. But they'll be better for the, for this first season and come the season at the back end of uh, 2022. I think, you know, we'll be we'll be right in, the, in the, with the competitive chance of making the finals. Mate, you and I are all about the detail. Let's jump into the date detail. Footy's back. The men's season is kicked off. The women's season is is starting to get to the pointy end. Let's um, sit back, do some around the ground, so that we get to can we get to talking about the uh, big win, <laughs> mate. We uh, in terms of the men's season, I didn't think we'd be tipping poorly, but it turns out we're tipping at this stage um, a lot better than a lot of other people. Uh, the Panthers surprise outsiders. They got the first up win at home to kick the season off. Yeah, um, that was a surprise. Like in terms of like, the Penrith were the favourites. I get that you know Sullivan's in for clearing. That's a big loss. But Penrith are unbeatable there. They're absolutely Correct. unbeatable there. And um, you know, and there's one team they're going to shut Turbo down. It's Penrith because of the way they defend. They kick and they defend so well. Even without Cleary kick, kicking, you know, they they can still get the job done with the boot. And yeah, they mainly just shut Turbo down. You shut Turbo down, you pretty much shut Millie down, don't you? It was a case of everyone assuming no Cleary, no Panthers. I think what people forget, though, is that um, the Panthers, it turns out, are all about Crichton, um, James Fisher-Harris, and I think in a scary sort of um, 
message to the rest of the competition. Jerome Luai is he's no Robin to Nathan Cleary's Batman. He led that team around the park on Thursday with a lot of um, a lot of authority. Oh yeah, he could be the best half in any good team. Like yeah, there's no sort of he's second fiddle. Yeah, obviously Cleary's the best half in in the world. But yeah, in most teams, Jerome Luai would be would be the the dominant half and. It shows why Penrith is so good. I thought um, Panthers would just kick on and run away with the game after they scored their first try. Well, sorry, after they had the first try, um, you know that they that was awarded for them after the two no tries. Manly, they were they did what they needed to do to graft out um, only being behind by six at halftime. So it actually was in the balance, despite the fact that the Panthers ran away with it in the second half. Yeah, that that Bullymore try came out of nowhere. It was a Penrith clocked off for thirty seconds right at the end of the half, and and it hurt them. And at half time, I thought, oh, Penrith, you know, for all their dominant sort of play here, they're, they're not very far in front. You know, they could be in trouble, but no, they came out in the second half and just kept the roll on, but actually put the points on the board. Do you think the Panthers were hitting anywhere near top gear on Thursday night? I oh, know they're, they're, they're in third. There's no yeah. doubt about that. You know they they lift, and they just lifted their intensity in the forwards. As you said, Fisher Harris and the like lifted the intensity off the line speed and and that when they needed to. But they were just going through the through the gears as they needed and and um, you know went into cruise control for the last thirty minutes. Concern for Manly, mate. They were, I mean, they were at full strength, weren't they? I mean, any time they've got Tommy Turbo in their team, you sort of assume that they're able to compete with the best of them. But um, they were way out of way off the mark on Thursday night. Well, I've been down on Manly, as you know, in the preseason. I think yep. they're, I think they're the team that are going to slide, and and it's not because I don't think Turbo's outstanding and probably the best player in the world. It's that I just don't think the Turbo can be Superman, which he was last year. They got there because Turbo played maybe the best rugby league season ever played, um, you know. But they they're they're a good side, Manly. But I just think they've got too many holes. The way they they structure their salary cap means that they've got three or four absolute superstars, and the rest are just pretty good. Um, yeah, no, I, do, I don't. I don't see them being in premiership threat this year. We unless, unless, unless Turbo catches fire. We're um, we're recording while the Eels are taking on the Titans, and um, Eels have just gone up with a uh, four nil after about three and a half minutes. Um, second game of the round, we 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 got our tip incorrect on this one. The Raiders managed to we come know, home. We did, but my individual tip, I got right. I, I went with the event. So. <laughs> Raiders 24, uh, Sharks 19, and it was a sort of reverse fade for the for the Raiders where um, they sort of got out to a lead, Sharks clawed it back, they got the field goal uh, towards the end, which they thought sealed it, but um, the Raiders came home strong, 24-19 winners. Yeah, um, that was a funny game of football, wasn't it? You know, Canberra <laughs> dominated, Cronulla then played 20 minutes of really good football and and got back into it, eventually hitting the front. But um, no, I don't. I don't see either of those teams really even. Um, well, they're certainly my premiership chances. I don't think either will make the finals. To be honest with you, mate, we're all about those hot, hot takes, as hot as you can um, handle. Uh, sharks in trouble. Three fullbacks and a hooker in um, in their spine. Is that going to cause trouble for them as the yeah. season goes? Yep. 100%. Nico Hines is a really talented player. He, and what he does, he does really well, but he doesn't do what Cronulla need him to do. He does exactly what Matt Moylan does. Um, I, don't, I don't see him being to fix their issues. If they if they had a genuine, if they had got out of Marinos to play halfback and Nico at, at six, I'll think they'd be pushing a top four because they've got, a, they've got a strong pack and they've got really good outside backs. But yeah, as you said, they've got three full backs and a hooker. 
Um, yeah, no, I, d I don't see how that works. I think it would actually net last year under the way the game was refereed last year. I think that will work for them because it was so fast. But we've already mm. seen this weekend that the game's not as fast this year, which it, which it shouldn't be. It's not touch football. No, I, I, I agree with that. Um, I thought the, I thought the Raiders handled the loss of Josh Hodgson really well. I thought Tom Starling came in, did a job. And um, the Raiders' ball movement was sensational. And, hey, you know, you and I sort of put the um, blowtorch blow on Jack Whiten. He came through on Friday night. He had a great game. I think that's the best game he's ever played at 5-8, to be honest with you. Really? Yeah, no, he was he was very good. Every time every time they needed a play, he did it. He did all the little things he normally does poorly. He did them well. He kicked well. He chased well. Mm. He, um, you know, he, he led the team around the park. He was really good. And I, I think Canberra a better team when Starling's on the field than Hodgson. Hodgson's really good at Agreed. what he does, but they, they, they're a lot slower through the middle without Starling. Starling really quickens them up, and their big rolling forwards go, go forward better, and that's their style. That's the Ricky Stewart style. Mate, I, I personally think the game has gone past Josh Hodgson. Um, there was talk we might bring him in to fill in for Jaden this year, but I, I think, um, yeah, I think his best is far behind him. Um, what looked like being the potential upset of the round until um, until um, further results came along, the uh, Broncos, credit to them. They got one up over the Rabbitohs on Friday night, 11-4. Yeah, that was a um, that was a surprise. Wasn't surprised that Brisbane won. I, I gave uh, big a, shock. I, 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 gave, I gave them a bit of a chance, you know. I, I um, but I, I was surprised at how poor South were. They were absolutely yes. awful. Yeah, they, they were. They just they were not clicking. They were not. They were not gelling at all. Um, I think. Uh, and you, sorry, I'm stealing your thunder here a little bit. I think. Uh, intercepts are in Cody's head in a big way and uh, he went into his shell uh, big time for the rest of that game after the after the Kelly snatch yeah Cody's an emotional player he's a player that plays off the top of his head and um yeah I, those intercepts are really in his head now it's um it's a real concern for South it really is um trial back will help help a yep. lot um, it'll take the pressure off Cody that left side will be sharper with AJ out on the wing mm. um trail chiming in but they miss gags so bad the, he, the, the, oh, link, yeah. the link from Cody to the winger, yeah, that, that, that link there is really, really an issue for them. That defensive read as well. I mean, one of the things we were so excited about Dane coming to the Knights was just settling that um, uh, right-hand defense, uh, sorry, yeah, right-hand defense for us. Um, and, yeah, the Broncos sort of looked like they were, um, you know, putting, giving the, um, the South Edges a lot of trouble. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I'm not big on Jackson Paul. I don't think he's the answer there. Whether they've got another option, I'm not sure. Personally, I think Blake Taff might do a job there for them. But um, Demetrio seems to be happy with Jackson Paul over there. But, yeah, they got real issues defensively. Mate, Kurt Capel with a field goal. Oh, the way they're carrying on, you think it's – field goals can uh, – they're not the hardest thing to kick. Oh, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm certainly not – I thought it was spectacular what Kirk did. Great way to uh, to seal the game. But uh, he's a footballer at the end of the day. It certainly wasn't. It was never going to be beyond him. Oh, uh, yeah. I always laugh at that. Like, they always, they, it's as if um, rugby league commentators still think the – Forwards to the guys from the 60s and 70s. Yeah. <laughs> all, they do, all they could do is put it on their arm and run forward. But for starters, Kurt Cable will used to be a centre. So he's got natural athletic ability. <laughs> and he's an athlete. You know, he's a 100 kilo, fast running, light footed athlete. 
Uh, I'd be very surprised if he couldn't kick a drop kick. Um, yeah, no, that was a, he struck it beautifully. He struck he it did. really, really well. But yeah, I always laugh at commentators that sort of stuff. You know, they think it's they're all Herman monsters out there on the out there on the edge of the um, field. Uh, yeah, just tucking under the arm and can't can't do anything. The old kicking license routine that Blocker loves to laugh at. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> Ford's in the morning game. I'd be I, I I wouldn't be surprised to see Junior Paulo pop one over. You know, like he's an athlete. <laughs> yeah. We'll obviously get to the Roosters Knights game in fairly full detail. Now I've got to be honest with you, mate. I don't. I did not watch a lot of footy uh, for the few for the couple of hours after the Roosters uh, Knights game. I know the Dragons won twenty eight to sixteen, but I'm going to have to hand this over to you at this stage. I was I was running around like a mad madman while this game was on. <laughs> yeah, uh, oh, the Dragons Warriors game. That was a it was a pretty ordinary game of football. Yeah. Um, the Warriors didn't show a lot in attack. Um, the Dragons took their chances. Credit to them, you know, their the young spine players really stood up and took some chances when they had it. Um, Ravalava just tore the Warriors to shreds. He just run over men, just took their souls. Um, but yeah, no, it wasn't a classic game of football. Um, it's a good, it's a good win for the Dragons in any event. A nice way to start their season. They they do like um, doing their run to the um, March and April Championship early, so. Uh, but, you know, you, you want to win your first round game, and they certainly got it done then. Um, any concerns for the Warriors? Oh, huge concerns. I, I honestly think that they're a um, – not that they've got the talent for a spoon team, but I just think the uh, the three years now in Australia and, we know, you know, we're not high on the coach. Um, yeah, I, I have real concerns. they got the Sean Johnson, who if he stays fit will probably win him enough games to not get the spoon. But if SJ got injured, you would have real concerns about them. Uh, agreed. Now, mate, I actually did get a chance to watch a fair bit of the Tigers Storm game, and it looked like the Tigers were going to get home in this in this one. Remarkably, though, if they'd won that, it, we, as I said, we were we were always going to be the biggest upset for the for the weekend. Uh, good game, Tigers. Unlucky or Storm? Just as usual, too good. Oh no, definitely, definitely. All credit to the Storm. Everything went the Tigers' way. Obviously, the Storm had guys suspended already. Then cheeses off in the first couple of minutes, injured. Um, then George Jennings goes down, so they've got to reshuffle the entire back line. Yeah, the Storm were far from their best, but they just kept lifting the stakes as they needed to and got home. The Tigers had every chance for mine. Big injuries, um, a devastating injury to uh, Christian Welch. Now, the NRL physio has got him at five to seven month recovery. So five months, you're sort of you're looking at potentially a run into the finals, but um, that could be his season. Yeah, it's such a blame, mate. He's, he's probably the best man in rugby league. He's so good for the game. Mm. He's such such a great ambassador, and he's become the, the storm leader. It's a huge blow for the storm. It's a huge. It's a massive blow for Queensland. Queensland's biggest weakness to New South Wales is, is in that front row. Yep. And Christian Welsh last year was a bit of a lone soldier up there for him. Turno played well too, but Christian Welsh is the guy for him. Yeah, it's only a huge issue for Queensland. And yeah, you sort of think of the timeline for Christian. They're sort of talking, you know, um, round. 14 or so for Jaden. So Christian's got injured, what, five or six weeks after Jaden? Yeah. So at the very least, at the very best, Christian's get, getting back in the really late rounds um, and obviously a bigger, heavier guy. So the rehab and something like an Achilles is probably a little longer. Yeah, I, I don't think you'll see much football, if any, this year. Jennings has done an ACL, so that, that's probably him out for the season. I guess the, uh, the weirdest injury of them all was Brandon Smith. Um, breaking his hand, some would say in a game he probably, you know, most likely shouldn't have really been playing. 
Yeah, that's that's a funny one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I don't think he should have been playing, but yeah, in the end, he played a couple of minutes and he's, he's going to miss a couple of months for it. Um, yeah, really innocuous. Just making a tackle, got a bang on the back of the hand and it broke, unfortunately. I think in that game, the game sort of uh, indicate, was very emblematic of the type of teams that they both are. Is sort of The Tigers rode their luck to really put the points on the board in the first half. They just couldn't keep it going in the second half. And Melbourne showed that they are the team that play 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 you for 80 minutes and they will come home strong. And um, Jerome Hughes reminded us that he's an elite halfback in the NRL comp. Yeah, the Jerome Hughes one, it's funny, isn't it? Like, he's been to so many different teams and he, he was a fullback. And, he was and, a centre. Yeah, you know, and Melbourne just shoved him into the halfback because they didn't have one and they knew that the rest of their spine was so good. Mm. And he's turned out to be that. You wonder whether... It's because he plays at Melbourne. If he if he did that at anywhere else, I'm not sure. He's certainly very talented. And, you know, he's very good at what he does. But in in their system, yeah, he's elite. I think he could do it anywhere else. I don't think he's as good as Cooper Cronk, but I think he's got those qualities that Cooper Cronk sort of displayed, which which said, which sort of gives you the indication that he could do what he does elsewhere. But it would be a matter of whether the team was going to to follow him, follow along with him. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, yeah, he's, he's not Cuba Cronk. He, um, he's, he's a runner more than a passer. But, yeah, he's very good. I, I, personally, I think he'd be really good at 5'8 in most teams. I think he's more of a 6 than a 7. But Melbourne, you know, sort of play their halves very similar. They get a lot of their ball playing out of dummy half as well. So, yeah, I, no, but he's, he's very good. Mate, I, I think that was one of the Storm's best wins I've seen them uh, churn out. You know, the injuries playing away from home, um, and the Tigers weren't playing all that bad. I, I think that's one of the Storm's better wins in uh, recent memory. Yeah, Belliak was funny. The entire game, Belliak was blowing up at his team, mm. absolutely losing his mind, then gets in the press conference, goes, so proud of the boys. You know, he's like, oh, <laughs> you went for our 20 minutes ago when you call him every name under the sun. And so, <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, that, that was that was great for Melbourne. That, that was Melbourne beat Melbourne. You know, the, the Tigers got into the arm wrestle with him for a while, but eventually Melbourne just strangled him. What do you think of the Tigers, mate? We've got the Knights have got them up next. Uh, Tigers better than last year? Too, too early to tell. I, you know, they're, they're going to be better when Julie's back. I think Julie's a big part of their team. Yep. Um, but it's too early to tell. Mamalo's a big weapon for them with the accuracy of Luke Brooks and Jackson Hastings, Hastings cross kick. That's something we've really got to watch. But Tigers are that team. You know, they're, they're, to, to me, they're a bottom four side, but they're not a poor team. You know, if you don't turn up, they'll beat you. There's no doubt about that. Correct. You know, then they're not they're not a poor team. They're not a rock up and, and just roll over them type side. they got they got plenty of tries in them if they want. But, you know, to me, they're, they're still the same Tigers in that you, you can run them into the dust if you need to. What did you make of uh, – did you get a chance to have much of an opinion on uh, Jackson Hastings' return to the NRL? Yeah, he was Jackson Jackson Hastings that we saw at the other clubs. He's a solid halfback. I don't think he's much more than that. The, you know, the stuff where he said, oh, he's improved, everyone said he's improved his game because he, he'd one of the men of steel and stuff. No, I don't buy that. I still I still think he's their 14 when Dewey's back at six. So you think so? You think Brooks and Dewey will be the halves pairing when fit for the uh, for the Tigers? Oh, if Matt just, if Matt just switched on, they will be. Um, Luke Brooks is a better halfback than Jackson Hastings. No, I absolutely agree with that. Um, do you reckon there was a moment last night where Brooksy was uh, thinking about potential decisions as to where he was playing this year? Oh, Luke Brooks has done the Knights a massive favour. Me and you would have paid him half a million to come and play halfback for us. Yeah. But Adam Clune's the better option for half the price. 
Um, yeah, no, Luke, Luke Brooks um, has done us a massive favour. He and he, I still think he would have been really successful. He, we just don't need to pay a halfback that much the way that we play. NRLW, my friend. Um, we'll quickly knock over the other two uh, results that have um, just been completed this afternoon in the NRLW. Um, FYI, the Eels are up 10-6 after 15 minutes, so Titans are staying with them. Mate, the um, the Broncos don't lose often in the NRLW. They almost lost another one against the Dragons, but uh, they still show that fighting championship quality. They got home 22-18. to 18. Good game. Yeah, it was a really good game. Dragons played really well. Um, Brisbane were, invul- were vulnerable. They had a few girls out. They had a few young girls making debuts and stuff. Uh, Tamika often didn't play, and that obviously, you know, is a huge yeah. loss. But Brisbane, just Brisbane, every time St. George challenge on Brisbane, had just put on a bit of shot play and score. They're, they're, they're the Senate team, and they'll win the comp this year again. Yeah, Shaley Bent had a good game, I thought, for the uh, for the Dragons. She was smashing out those running meters today. Yeah, yeah, no, she's very good. She's very good. Um, yeah, we, we play them next week, so it'll be an interesting contest. Mm. Yeah, out at McDonald Jones Stadium. If anyone's listening, get there uh, while you can. Um, Ali Brigginshaw, she um, sort of stepped up in the um, in the I guess absence, as it were, of uh, Upton, and um, you know helped carry the Broncos home and keep their perfect record for the season thus far. Yeah, yeah, Ali Brigginshaw is the best player in the world. She showed it again today. Every time the, the Broncos needed something, she was in amongst it. Yeah, she's very good here in Upton, mate. It's they're, 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 they're absolutely unbelievable. Um, Queensland had had been the origin issue for that reason. Absolutely, yeah. That was a top-of-the-table clash today, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm just having a look at yeah, the line. Right now. Sorry? Yeah, Dragons were undefeated until today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Eels did the job uh, at home in their, for their first game at Combank Stadium, 24-14 to 14 over the Titans. Uh, that's a good win. That's a good win for them, but... Eels are a quality side, so you, that was a game you sort of expected them to win today. Yeah, the the, the shock for the Eels was getting beat last week. I didn't think yeah. I didn't think they'd lose last week. But the Dragons have shown that you know they're pretty good. Um, yeah, no, the the Eels got what second win out of three games now. They're, they're a finals team, and and them and St George to me that uh, number two and number three that'll challenge to play Brisbane in the grand final. Patil Vet Welsh looks like she's going to be a superstar. Two hundred sixty meters run, damn girl! That is a very good effort. <laughs> lots of uh, lots of kick yeah, return meters yeah. in that. Yeah, she's, Actually, out, no. she's, she's outstanding, mate. She's, yeah. Sorry, she only twenty six kick return meters. NRL.com, is it? So that she was really <laughs> finding. That's funny as well. Yeah, yeah, she was really finding some open space there in terms of the game and opening it up for the Eels. Yeah, she's quite a find. Yeah, no, nah. she's very good. She had a few injuries, but um, yeah, it's a, it's amazing how many good fullbacks there are in the NRLW. There's a lot of girls that are really good fullbacks that aren't even playing fullback because the spots are taken. Um, yeah, once we expand out to eight, probably ten teams, there'll be ten good fullbacks to spread across the competition easily. Yeah, I mean the Titans uh, won their first game in the in the club's uh, history last weekend. They, they were they were going to be up against it coming uh, down to Sydney for a fired-up Eels um, in front of their home crowd. Um, Titans have still got it all to play for with two rounds to go, so they're there and thereabouts. Yeah, no, the Titans are a solid team. They've got plenty of good players. Um, 
Yeah, I'm actually surprised. I thought the Titans might be slightly better. They were really good last week. It's hard to tell. I think this season's been a bit, a bit muddled. Squads have sort of been rushed together, um, shortened pre-season because of COVID. Yeah, I, I, I think that um, the season, the 2022 actual season late in the year, I think that'll probably um, sort out, yeah, yeah, who's the strongest squads. I, I absolutely agree. Mate, I think we've done enough talking about things non-Knights for the time being. Um we're here to talk about Newcastle. Let's get on to the uh, more substantive Newcastle Knights elements of uh, rugby league for the weekend. Let's do it, mate. 28 to 12 loss for the NRLW Knights uh, at the SCG against the Roosters. That was a tough afternoon, mate. That was a very, very, very tough game to watch. If you are a Newcastle Knights supporter, yeah, yeah, it, it was not good. Um, no, it really I'm, wasn't. I'm going to rebash, but yeah, that, it, it was it was not good. I'll stop at that. We, um, as we as we sort of said, you know, good teams respond uh, differently in sort of uh, situations of adversity. So you um, you make your own luck. You work with what you've got uh, there. But I still, for the life of me. Do not understand why we had um, uh, Arakua Sinbin for alleged multiple offences, given that the first alleged offence was. I still don't know why it was a penalty for the hit on Sergis. No one has explained it to me. Um, it, 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 I don't. I don't. Out for a high tap when Sergis is down with a sore ankle. Yeah, I, I, I've watched the replay. At, so many times, and I just don't see where there is contact from the Knights player anywhere above the shoulders on uh, on the Roosters player. It it really did. We we were just sitting in the stands. It we just had. It, 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 I know. I know you're trying. Yeah, you're trying to sort of talk it out, but it simply wasn't there. It, there was no high contact. It was that simple. Just Sergis was down injured because she had a sore ankle. You know, and yet it was not not that she was lying down. She was actually hurt, mm. and for some reason the bunker and the referee have looked at it while Sergis was down. And produced a penalty that no idea where, where it came from. There was no high contact, simple as that. And the second one was, it, it, it's probably a penalty because you, you end up in a slightly dangerous position because you tipped back. But that's not a foul, a really foul tackle. She mm. picked her up in the correct way, lifted it, she had arms outside the legs, lifted it correctly and slightly tipped her. So, yeah, penalty, fair call. But that's not a dangerous tackle. Yeah. Um Credit to the Roosters, like the Roosters, and the Roosters came out more fired than us. There's no denying that they sort of started well. They they got out to a ten nil lead um, fairly early on. We were sort of I don't we were sort of warming into the match a little bit too much. Um, so the Roosters got out to a ten nil lead, but the thing was is that we started to work our way back into the game. Like we were scoring some points. It was ten six after about twenty six minutes. Yeah, that the contest is there. And we were sitting there watching the girls, and we were thought we thought we, we you know the Roosters have been dominant thus far, but we're still in this as only four points. I genuinely thought the game was there for the taking at that point. Yeah, we we kept ourselves in the game. There's no doubt about that, and we know we've got our girls have got some points in them when they and they um get some football. We were, mm. we were right in the game. We just couldn't keep that going. Every time we get back in the game, we got to try and beat us at half time. We we weren't good enough. Um, yeah, and they and they killed the game off. Unfortunately, you're spot on about either side of sort of half time. So um, the Roosters got those two early tries in the second half, eighteen to six down, and 
yeah, you you were just sort of well, we're up against it now, and um, we just we just didn't have that um, that like I said that team cohesion or that sort of um, unity that you get from playing long term with each other to to get the um, to get the points that we needed to catch the the, the roosters. Yeah, um, we've got we've we've got. We've got no traditional halves. Kira Dibbs is a very good six, and we spoke about it in the pre in the um, preview of the season that we rate really rate Kira mm-hmm. Dibb, but she's not a traditional half. You know, she doesn't control the game. To me, she's more of a bit of a ball playing lock. Um, yeah, we were playing, we were actually playing a lock at halfback. Um, yeah, I don't know. Our friend friend of the pod, Matt Clark, um, mentioned that we need to get Caitlin Moran, local girl. He's just playing um, local league footy in Brisbane after a few injury issues and went up there for work and stuff. We need, we need to ask Caitlin to come back and play halfback for her. She's, she's outstanding. She was a Jill Arul a couple of years ago before the injuries. She would have made a big difference in this team. I, uh, I, I said a couple of weeks ago, or I've said over the past couple of weeks, Shante Poco, I think, is the potential to be the best player in the comp. I'm not sure I meant that as in I wanted to play halfback for us, though. I was uh, very surprised when I heard that call because she is a big-bodied player. So she's she's not a mobile halfback. I'm sure she's got all of the skills, um, but I'm, I'm just not sure that you want a sizable player in that part of the field um, steering the park, steering the team around the park. Yeah, playing your um, halfback, I understand. You do it for defensive reasons. You do it because she has got the skills to, you know, that a halfback would have. But it'd be like sort of play, playing, you know, a junior Paulo mm. at halfback because yeah. he can pass and, you know, all those sort of things. Um, yeah, and no, it, I don't think it works. I'm going to second-guess the coach. He obviously had reasons for it. Um, yeah, no, but it, I, I don't think it worked. You, you can't you can't play without a halfback. So I, uh, I my, my little anecdote from the game was uh, – <laughs> I've developed a, uh, a fondness for Phoebe Desmond. I reckon she's just everything Newcastle about that uh, that team. And so we were sort of sitting uh, in Bay, I think it's Bay 15, which I'm really hanging to get back to Bay 53 just quietly, mate. And so we were in one of the, I think the south east corner of the stadium behind um, behind the tri-area. Tri area. Anyway, so I'm sort of every time Phoebe got got the ball, she just looks like she she was bending that line, like she was charging through. You always got, I think she got held up over the line at some point. So I'm just sitting sitting there, so like, go Phoebe, yeah, get there, Phoebe. And I'm like, anyway, a couple of night supporters were sitting uh, a seat down from me, and at one point, um, this woman sort of leans over, and goes, "Oh, do you know Phoebe? Do you? I said, "Oh no, I just, oh, I just reckon she's a great player. I'm sort of happy to have her. I'd rather have her in my team than not." She goes, oh, sorry, not a problem. I said, oh, do you know it? She goes, yeah, I'm, I'm her sister-in-law. And you just keep saying her first name. I assumed you knew her. I was like, oh, no, I, I'd do that with any any sort of um, player for the Knights. But, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of Phoebe Desmond. I'm, I'm very glad that she's uh, signed up with us this season. I think she's having a good few weeks of footy. Yeah, she's, you know, what the sort of Knights are built on, you know, a, lo- a local hard worker. She, um, yeah, she, she gets in and does all the dirty stuff. Um, I, I actually think they put a bit too much pressure on her in terms of they oh, yeah. you know, our, our sort of way to the trial seems to be the barge over yep. and not deception of halves. If you, the team's gone wait for stand there and wait for her. If, she, if we had, you know, halves were creating space out wide and could turn her underneath as a surprise tactic, she'd score regularly. Yeah, she'd right. score the first. 
Yeah, correct. No, I can see that. Now, mate, a player that I've probably been very uh, too hard on uh, is our captain, Romy Teitzel. And in fact, I was being uh, quite audibly uh, um, uh, critical of her in the stands on uh, Saturday. Uh, Had a great game. She scored her first try. I thought she stepped up and had uh, much more of a captain's knock the sort of type of game that we thought we'd see from her, you know, over those um, throughout the first few rounds thus far. Yeah, Romy, Romy, another one that suffers having uh, now halfback. She's she's a ball runner, not a ball player. You know, she's got the skills to ball play. Don't get me wrong, but she, she's a she's a ball runner. She, you know, she she can she can create with her with her um with her footwork and her agility. Um, yeah, too many times we rely on her to create something out of nothing. And a couple of times she's. Yeah, managed to get individual tries, but yeah, I'd love to see her running off a good half. I'm a big fan of Jamie Fressard as well. Fresh, um, she's uh, just a firecracker for us out there. That edge with her and Caitlin Vahakolo, I think if they get an opportunity to gel over time, they could um, that could be that Gidley Tahu version of the uh, NRLW Knights. I like what they what they're doing out on the edge. Yeah, I've heard it a couple of times in the commentary, Tasha Gale, um, referring to Vocalo's speed. We haven't got a chance to see it yet, but she's talking mm. about how she's one of the fastest girls in, in the competition. It'd be nice to yeah, see her in a bit of space. But, yeah, Frasad's good. She's strong. She's really good in defence. Um, she's a premiership player at Brisbane, so she's, she's well experienced. But, yeah, they just haven't had many opportunities, those two, unfortunately. Look, as we said, it was, it was a tough day. It was just a tough day at the office for the girls. Um, oh, man, the refereeing was – you're right. It was really, really frustrating. And it, it it is always hard to be critical of officiating without sounding like you're blaming them for the result. You know, the, the results are the results. And and the, the men's team showed in the follow-up game that – you deal with the cards that are dealt to you. I mean, we sort of we were down to twelve men in the in the men's game at one point. We didn't concede any tries, and the women's team. You know, we were down to twelve. We conceded two tries while um, uh, Arakua was off the field, and it just you know it, it it sort of left it all for us to do. But oh man, I just really would have loved to have seen that game yesterday, if um, the results had just sorry if the some of those calls had evenly gone both ways I just think in a level playing field and we're not coming out of that with a 16 point loss no we we um yeah we, we certainly got some rough calls in that one as I said that was a ref bash but yeah it was one of the worst performances we've ever seen by a referee um yeah no it wasn't upstanding for mine um we got two games left uh we got a big Big home game against the uh, Dragons uh, next Sunday, I think it is, before the men's team play the Tigers. Uh, and then I think we finish the season off against the Titans. We're still in this comp if we win next weekend, but, oh, gee, that's a tough ask next weekend against the Dragons team. will be um, They'll be fired up after today's loss themselves. Yeah, it's going to be a tough game, mate. You know, but we showed... Um at home in the first week, the, you know, with a bit of home crowd support behind us, we can match it with the better sides. You know, we've probably run lucky not to win that week. We just need to win one of these last two. It'd be a shame to not get a victory out of the, out of the inaugural season. Mm. I've been a bit surprised, particularly given how much we saw her um, deliver in the All-Stars game. I haven't really had much of an opportunity to see much of Bobby Law yet this year. I sort of 
feel like she hasn't um, maybe been given as many opportunities as she would have liked. And it's always hard to st- you know, step up in a, in a beaten team. But, yeah, I just feel like Bobby hasn't um, expressed herself as much this season as we were expecting. She's got the talent. Oh, yeah, she's very talented. I, I just don't think she's not. Prashad to sort of send a little come in and, and ruck it up, and that's not Bobby Law. Bobby Law is your role, your Rolls Royce. Yeah, you know she's she's your sleek mover, your, your yeah. finisher, and we just get a no good ball. Um, the way we the way we've played and the pressure we've been under hasn't hasn't brought her into the game. It's just not you can't turn players into what they're not. And yes, yeah, she's she's not. We've got Prashad on one side that does the hard rucking sort of stuff, and Bobby Cummings has a run. Don't get me wrong, she doesn't stand out there and do nothing. She, but that's not her thing. It's not her thing to come in and and take hard rucks and get 15 metres, she'll come in and quite often gets monstered. Because, yeah, she, she's, she's the Rolls Royce. She's the one you want to see in some space. We're missing Caitlin as well. I think Caitlin Johnson was a big loss yesterday. She would have been um, she would have been desperate to play against her old side. And uh, you sort of look at some of the running metres. I mean, our front row yesterday, Federica with 78 running metres, uh, Nuasala with 85. I think Caitlin would have been dying to get out there and take on her old team. Yeah, we, it really hurts. Not only it hurts that we don't get what Caitlin produces, it then means that we've got one less prop, you know, good standard prop on the bench. So it weakens our bench quite considerably. It means Phoebe Desmond sort of needs to play more minutes in the middle than we sort of would like to because she's more of an impact player. Mm. Um, yeah, the, the Caitlin Johnson thing affects the entire pack and the rotation. Yeah, we're probably losing, you know, her not playing probably costs us 120, 130 metres in the game. Yeah. Um, six tries to two. I mean, you know, maybe missed conversions actually potentially made the scoreline a little bit um, kinder to us than it otherwise could have been. But they also um, scored two mile forward passes, so remove their eight points that you uh, it's, that, just, that's, that's second one. That's, that second one was it, it was five minutes forward. It wasn't even close. The touchy was standing right in line with it. What can uh, you do? And that's and, and I think that's what you and I sort of talk about when we say we're not into ref bashing, but we, we do think referees influence the game because you sort of the two missed forward passes and the two tries scored while we're we don't think we should have been down to twelve players. Well, there's your sixteen points. Like we we can literally tangibly show you the sixteen points that accumulated in decisions that went against us, where you're like, if they go differently, you know, it it, it becomes a different game sort of thing. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Like those two tries, then are on the board. The game's still nil all twenty minutes in. It's a new game. Mm. Um, the Roosters got a roll on those first two tries. Yeah, my my think is, and I tweeted about it yesterday. The NRLWs, in terms of the money they make, they're only semi professional. But it's a professional game in terms of the way it's treated and, and the standard of the girls play. Um, the standard of officiating, you know, needs to be at that. The the referees and and touch judges. Need to be paid enough, and they spend more time working on the game too, because um, if you're gonna if you're gonna play the game with bunkers and stuff, and and that the officiating needs to be at a, at a certain standard before you can yeah before you can start screaming want broadcast dollars for it. Mate, the NRL's the NRL's got to back the women's game 100. percent It can't be just well we've given you a few games, we've we've given you a few plays, we televise your games now. You know this is no back them in, back them 100 110 percent in, make this game the best that it can possibly be because it's already a great game to watch. Give everybody the resources that take that field, officials and players, give them every opportunity they can to play the best game that people want. It was a great game to watch yesterday. 
the, the frustrations we felt were just not understanding some of the calls that were going on. You sort of got the impression a lot of the time, like the officials were just like they at some point the points they couldn't really decipher or keep up with, keep up with what's going on, and, and they shouldn't be put in that position. Oh, 100 percent. That's that's the issue. My issue is not with the referee. My issue is the fact the NRL don't don't back it. They don't give them enough money where the referees can work on the game, where the players can be professional athletes. The referees not quite up to standard, and I think the only one that really is is Casey Badger because Casey is a first grade touch judge, so she you knows. So she also spends more time in the professional sort of structure of it all. Um, they're they're and I really need to back it. They need to back the entire game from top to bottom, players, uh, referees. Um, club staff, they need to back the entire thing because there's some really, really quality football being played and they're not getting the support from the higher-ups. Mm. And don't get us wrong, we're certainly not sitting here saying, you know, the best men's men's um, players in the game get paid a million dollars a season or the best women's player in the game should be paid a million dollars a season. That, that's, that's obviously not what we're saying because uh, it's a shorter women's season and it's a longer men's season and we appreciate that. But on a per-game basis, to make sure that these women can play as professional athletes, pay them what their value, eat, what their worth is in terms of the games that they do play so that they can be better at what they do and so that they can grow the sport and so that we can have a 20-week NRLW season to help that that area of the game grow. I just, I just yeah, yeah. Put pump money into the pump money into the game where it needs it to make it better. It, it, it really should be a, fo- a priority for the administration. Yeah, absolutely. Can't, can't agree more, mate. Um, it's it's not good enough. It's not good enough in the NRL. It's, they don't promote it well enough. Um, I'll go off on a slight tangent. Um, offsiders, offsiders in the ABC Sunday morning, they just bash NRLW compared to the AFLW. And, what, and- it makes no sense. It's a Melbourne Bay show. It's a Melbourne Bay show, but my problem is the NRL don't get out and fight for the game because hmm. they they won't bash the AFLW because they know if they do the AFL the AFL will come down and say well we're not going to have nothing to do with this we're not going to accept you not promoting our product. I'm, I've I've had it. I've absolutely had it up with the way that the NRLW gets treated and the NRL lack of respect for it and the lack of respect for the women and how and how they work. It's it's not good enough. Um, yeah, even Fox. Uh, even yesterday, like Tasha Gale, you know, she, she's a legend of women's rugby league, which called the Knights the Titans multiple times. No one corrected it. She kept doing it. Lift, lift your standard, everybody. Hmm. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, um, I completely agree with you on that. In fact, because the, the offsiders one is a really interesting one, is that like that is such a simple fix that the NRL can do for free. Like that, it, it costs them nothing to develop a relationship with the public broadcaster to sort of say, oh, you could probably highlight, you could probably accentuate a little bit of the positive about the NRLW. It's not that bad. Like, that costs them nothing to do. So why can't you just do that? Use some players. Use some players. Do some interviews. Put some stuff on your news. He's, you know, put them on, you know, he's just promote the game. Like, Fatima Kadu is a rugby league reporter for the the Telegraphers on the show and and on the panel and just copped that on the chin. There's no AFL report would just pop the AFLW getting bashed while they're sitting there. Yeah, it's just not good enough, mate. It's just not good enough. So, and look, you know, I think our frustration is more. We we just we we love we love we love the women's game, and we've sort of said uh, since we started the pod how excited we are to to have a women's team. So we're certainly not about bashing women's sport. We're about we want that we want it to be 
good because we know how good it can sort of be. So yeah, look, tough result for the for the um, Knights yesterday. Um, it's going to be a big afternoon at McDonald Jones Stadium next Sunday. Um, you know, big game against the Dragons. I can sort of foresee that the women, in the way they've followed so many other traditions of the men's team, they'll they'll put into place that uh, very uh, long-standing tradition of losing at home to the Dragons. But um, let's get a big crowd out there supporting both teams next weekend and and see if the women can turn their season around. Yeah, let's get out and get the girls a victory, mate. They deserve they deserve a good crowd out there to support them. Let's get out there. You know, we're going to get a huge crowd for the men's. Get along if you can early. Let's get, you know, 10, 10 or 15,000 in the stands for the women. Yeah, let's do it. I'm no expert. I just love the game. But more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of Rugby League or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's Tees. Mate, I have had the pleasure, nay, the privilege to watch some fairly significant um, wins in the history of the Newcastle Knights. Mate, the round one, two thousand, uh, the round one win in to start the two thousand and twenty-two season. Will, long will it live with me? That was a performance for the ages. I am just, I don't know what to say about what um, what those men did for the Newcastle Knights team yesterday. It was awesome yesterday, awesome. Um, yeah, I, I don't know where that came from, to be honest with you. Like, as I said, I, I was always confident we put in performance. The Roosters, you know, have, have a traditionally pretty ordinary record in week one. Um, yeah, but that that was very unknights. You know, even even in the glory days, we weren't that defensive team. You know, we weren't the no. team that would just hustle the opposition out. We just we'd be happy to win forty to thirty, but we just hustled the Roosters off the ball. We outroosted them really. It's funny what you say about the Newcastle teams of old because there was a second element. We, we'd either be happy to win forty to thirty, or we'd be like, let's just bash them into sub- submission, or feel like we can and hope we can get a win out of it. Yesterday was one of the most controlled performances from a Newcastle Knights team I've seen in years. The only other one that comes as close to mind, and it wasn't even as good as yesterday, was that 14-all draw against the Panthers. But even that draw was just more grit and determination than control. Yesterday, the team just looked like they had it across the park from sideline to sideline. I... I, I haven't seen anything like that in a Knights team before. Yeah, that Penrith game, you're right, it, it was great. We didn't play really, really well that day. We had Pierce go down early and KP didn't play. And, you know, we, we just managed we to lost tough Watson. our way. We lost Watson yeah, early as I, well. Yeah, yeah, you know, we just toughed our way to the draw. We didn't, we didn't play particularly well, but yesterday was just good. The attack looked sharp. The defence looked outstanding. Everyone did their job. Guys that, you know, we thought, that were just sort of fringe players have showed that they're genuine first graders and maybe more in the future. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say. It was it was excellent from top to bottom. Well, I'm just going to, I'm going to jump straight to the, the, the question's been on my mind since full time. When did you think we had that game won? 
um, the cliff try. Really? You, you, know you, were, you were that convinced that early? You know why? You couldn't see that at the game, but on the TV, the Roosters were shot. Really? When, when Clifford ran away, they all, they all stood there and looked at each other. J, JWH, who'd passed the ball to uh, Takiyahu to drop it, he looked, they looked shot, mate. They were just looking at each other. They had no answers. None. Yeah, yeah you're right. No, we, I was we nervous actually... because it's the night, you know. It was a nice result. I was nervous. I was never sure I was going to win this. But I was comfortable from that moment on. They, they, they looked shot. If we lost them there, it would have, would have been an implosion. You're the absolutely... rest of them never going to come against you're absolutely right, because that wasn't something we could see at the ground. I'll tell you what we were all were paying attention to at the ground, up on the big screen of the replay, was um, the JSAF reaction after Jared Warrior Hargraves, uh, or the ball after the ball goes down. Like, JSAF was just in his face, like, going off, going, we've got this, we've got you. And, um, yeah, that was probably more what I, what I was focusing on, as well as everyone else on the field, except for Clifford, who was um, skirting... Sorry, just shooting down the field to score the try. Yeah, they. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what to say about the Roosters in that moment. They it was just unlike the Roosters. You know, normally the Roosters are the sort of team that would sprint back, get behind the line, fire up. Yeah, let's go again, and we can still win this. But that was not the body language at all. Mm. The body language was today's not our day. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. What to, I don't know what to say to that. That was. Um, yeah, that was really interesting. As I said, they, the uh, Fox zoomed in on JWH. Yeah, and he just stood there with his hands on his hips with a sort of half a right smile. Just, and he just looked, you know, well, today's not our day. Yeah. I didn't think we had the game won until the young try. And it was a great try. It was a sensational finish. But because um, you're right, even with four minutes to go, I was doing the math in my head. I was like, well, if they, they've still got enough time if they stop the clock to score three converted tries. But no, it was it was Dom's finish at the end where I was like, we finally got this. And I think that says a lot about the my mentality. I can't speak for all of the Knights fans, but that mentality where we're like, um, we just we, we we really can't take anything for granted from where we've been. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, and when I say I was confident the cliff try, like, it was just, once we got into the, obviously, Crossland ends up in the bin, and, I, you know, and obviously I think, well, the game changed there, that could be the thing, but then Dom Young um, smashed two over the sideline, dumped some on his, on his backside, that obviously was um, when I just went, oh, no, this is our day, but, um, no, they they would never come and get us, the Roosters, they just weren't, they never looked like it all day, they, um, the first try was disallowed, I think that, that, that was unlucky for them in terms of, I don't think Clemens getting anywhere near him anyway, but by the rules, it was no try. And when it actually went through, I said, oh, that'll be no try when they have a look at it because you could obviously see Connor Watson was standing in the line, which you're not allowed to do. If you're coming back on side, you can't be directly ahead of the ball. You've got to sort of be away from the ruck, and Connor was sort of, yeah, directly ahead of the ball. So that was – but um, and that was the only time they looked like scoring against us, mate. They um, they had, nothing, they had nothing for us. Yeah, no, I, I was never worried they were going to come and get us. It was only – once the uh, the crossland Simbin happened, I thought, you know, a night's implosion might happen. But even that, under Adam O'Brien, that doesn't happen. We don't implode as Adam O'Brien. You know, when when we get into the grind and get in front, we win. That's how we made the finals last year. Can we talk about the uh, Tedesco no try? Because I, I think that, you know, as much as I say, I don't think we won it until the young try. I think the two turning points in the match were in the first half. So can we talk about the Tedesco no try? It was only until earlier today that I thought that is a that was a dud decision. If that had gone against the Knights, I'd still be blowing up about it. I I really do think they've made just a mess of the obstruction rule because 
You are right. So that that's the key. You just, where you finish there is is the key. The rule is a mess. Yes. The rule is so, correctly applied in that situation. Yeah. The rule's wrong. It's not an that is not an obstruction. So so and I no, may have no. this wrong, Bruno. So can you can you take me through this? The the league have now determined that if a if a, an attacking player is standing in the defensive line and the ball carrier runs past that player, the mere occurrence of impeding a potential tackler will now be interpreted as an instruct as an obstruction. Is that the rule now? So what so what the rule what the referee the video referees ruled there is that there is a, a roosters player who is in an offside position kind of Watson who is between a defender and the ball. And it doesn't matter whether Clem's going to get him or not. The fact that there is a offside player between the defender and the ball means that that is an obstruction. So is it the offside element then that in yes, the end Connor made? Yes, offside. That's that's the thing. Connor Watson is offside. So what if he had been onside and he'd overrun Tupu at some Same, point? No, but and then that's where the rules are mess because he probably still they probably still rule it no try, but it's not as clear cut because yeah. Connor was offside. It's clear cut. There is no interpretation. Yep, because Connor is offside. Yeah, but that's but that's the that's where the mess is. If it's a running play and Connor ends up in front of the ball, it's probably still no try, but it's not as clear cut. See, I I think, and I mean, I can kind of understand why they want to make it black and white because every time they try to implement rules to say to referees, we want you to use a bit of your discretion. The media blows up every time they use discretion, going, well, how could you come to that conclusion? So the NRL try to implement these rules. They say it's black and white now. Everybody knows that if you are standing here when this happens, you can't do that. It's against, that's against the rules and a penalty will be awarded. Mate, uh, Tedesco was scoring that try with or without Connor Watson standing there. That's that's my opinion on it. And I think the Knights were, are lucky Clem, that Clem that... Was, Clem didn't even... Fox pointed out that Clem wasn't actually even trying to get to Tupu. He was, Clem was running... Parallel with Tupu. Clem was trying to get back, you know, to sort of start chasing. He wasn't actually going towards Tupu. He didn't yeah. run into Connor. He ran past Connor. Yeah. Connor made Connor had no impact on the play at all. The the, the, the break was made because Kurt Mann missed a really simple one on one tackle. Yeah. No, and it that's was, it was you know, it, it's a try, but under the rules, it, it, as soon as I, said, I watched it live, and as soon as that happened, I, as soon as it happened, I I said to I was watching with my boys. I said this will be no try. It'll be an obstruction. And then obviously you know, it takes that whole time with the award, and I'm going, trust me, it'll be no try, it'll be no try. And then you know, as soon as they went, um, video ref, I went, told you. Newcastle are the premiers. So I think we've done the the Tedesco no try to death a little bit. Just FYI as well in the background, halftime in the Eels Titans game. Right, Eels are up twenty six to twenty two. It's a shootout at Combank Stadium. Defence, not the priority here, unlike us yesterday. <laughs> Mate, uh, you do make your own luck in this in this game, or at least you you deal with the cards that are dealt um, for you. As you said, Kurt Mann got a get-out-of-jail-free card with that try being overturned. It's still nil all, and we're the ones that in the end keep applying the pressure and score the opening try. Yeah, um, the opening try, like it... it it's luck. There's no doubt it's luck, but it's the old Is it making your own luck through effort. Yeah, that's it's, exactly it's luck right. because you, a rugby league ball, you don't know where how it's going to bounce. So you say Tedesco's made the error by letting it bounce. You should never have let it bounce the first time. Then he got two bad bounces. That's luck. You know, that's 
but the try happened because we have the best chaser in the competition. How many times have we watched the Knights fall victim to that sort of play through teams just applying that little bit of extra pressure and just wanting it that little bit more than us? Like, that's the kind of try that you and I have watched us concede to teams over and over and over again. It was actually nice to see us using some aggression and determination to apply the screws to another team for a change? All the players around the ball were Knights. Yes. Jake Clifford, Jake Clifford leads the chase because, as I said, he's the best kick chaser in the competition. We'll get on, we'll get on to that later. I'll, I'll have a, you know, I'll have a, um, a, a, nice, a nice little uh, bikaki effort on Jake, but uh, his, <laughs> kick, kick, his kick was great. But everyone around the ball was Knights. So Gagai picks um, – Jake picks it up, gives it to Gagai. Um, yeah, Dom Young's the outside gags. I don't remember who was on the inside of Jake. There's someone else on the inside of Jake. We were there were no roosters. There were only knights around the ball. Um, yeah, no, that was you're right. We we can see that try every second or third week, um, but we won't see that try anymore because not only is Jake Clifford the best kick chaser, he's the best kick, kick cleaner upper too. I was a little bit annoyed on the footy on the footy show on Channel Nine. Uh, Freddie Fitler was going. Oh, I thought maybe. Clifford caught him a bit early. Well, a couple of things there. One, he oh, doesn't. Get out of it. He, he, yeah. he, had a, he had a drop that then Clifford hit him. Once the fullback touches it with his hands, and, it's play on. And that's my point, is a sort of that, – that, that's a narrative where you could turn. It's like there are split seconds in the game, and Clifford got that split second perfect. Like you can see – because I was worried about – I thought, well, they're going to overturn this because Tedesco hasn't gathered the ball. And you could tell in the replay, you actually didn't need the slow-mo. Tedesco has his hands on the ball moments before Clifford Clifford makes the impact. Clifford knocked the ball out. Correct, yeah. Clifford knocked the ball out of his hands. Tedesco gets his hands on it but doesn't have it securely because he's laying on his back when he picks it up. And Clifford hammers him in the back and knocked it out. That's so, a terrible thing, Freddie. Like, I, oh, let me give me a second. That I can't get over that a guy who's been in rugby league as long as Freddie, and I know he's got his roots as an agenda, and he works for Channel Nine, who are all morons. But that is horrendous. Did <laughs> try because that's a narrative now. That narrative will get played. He got him too early. It's a lucky try. That's not a lucky try. Jake Clifford timed it to the second and nailed him as he got his hands on it. Exactly how it should be done. Uh, I, I look. I, I absolutely agree, and I think. And I think that was probably the most pleasing aspect of that try for us is that because we, we've we've got the get-out-of-jail-free card with the Tedesco no-try, Knights have a tendency to look at those things go, oh, we're lucky that time, might not be so lucky next time. Whereas this this game, yesterday, we went, right, that decision's gone in our favour with the with the Tedesco overrule. Let's, let's take advantage of this now. And they stepped it up and they applied more pressure and – they put that kick yeah. pressure on Tedesco for us to get six points of our own. Absolutely. That's that's exa- that's exactly right. That call went our way and we went, oh, beautiful. Today might be our day. Let's drive that advantage home. Mm. Mate, were you uh, – how did you – Were you? how did you feel when Dane Gagai scored the first try for the Newcastle Knights for the season uh, in his first game back since returning from the Rabbitohs? I'm not proud of myself, but I may, I may have sworn in front of my children, <laughs> and I may have said, I may have said, stick that up your asses. Gags is home now. Talk about him, not so nice word. <laughs> 
good friend of the pod, Maitland Mumbler, was uh, messaging us going, hey, this gay guy seems all right. Where's he come from? We haven't heard anything about him off during the off-season. <laughs> it's so pretty, isn't it? South clearly missed him. Like, South missed him in defence and attack. Yeah. And then we were so much better with him. Like, the gag narrative does my head in because the whole origin gag. I think it's a thing. Don't get me wrong. Gags is out of this world for Queensland. But he's been exceptional for South for the last four years too. And he was very good for us, you know, back in the day as well. I think that narrative actually was born out of the fact that when he was playing well for us, we were terrible. And it didn't matter how exactly good right. he, he was. Go, he'd, go, he'd go to origin rank good players and score try after try after try. And people go, oh, where's all these tries for the Knights? Because he's not playing out to Cuba Cron, Cameron Smith and Jonathan Thurston. Yeah. Um, mate, in the, I can tell you in the stands when, when Gagai scored that try and he put the ball down and he just looked towards the crowd and we were all sort of celebrating. It was, it was a special moment. It, it really did feel like our boy was home, sort of thing, and we and we were there to sort of like celebrate him, celebrate that with him. So uh, I thought that was a, it was a great way to kick off our scoring for the season, and uh, yeah, it was a big welcome home moment. Yeah, there's no doubt. Gags gave South everything he had. He went there for really good reasons, the the GI stuff and the Indigenous stuff and that. But he, he's a he's a knight. He's a knight. He wants to play for the Knights. He'll go down as one of the great nights. Um, yeah, no, it's good good to have the man home. Okay, mate. I want to get to the second turning point uh, of the game in terms of, and I think this is what turned the game on its head. Now, we'd been told all off-season that our forward pack was going to get shown up, and it was going to get shown up none more so than having... Uh, the unreliable little utility Kurt Mann locking that forward pack. Now, Jared Waria Hargraves came off the bench yesterday, hoping to be the impact player that it turned out Mitchell Barnett was. And Jared came out with uh, seek, search and destroy mode, and he aimed up Kurt Mann. Kurt Mann did not get destroyed yesterday. He absolutely planted... Have one of the most credentialed, established forwards in the game, and he planted him on his backside, and the the whole complexion of the game just completely changed in a in a heartbeat. That is one of the best front so tackles. So, so, so that's the first tackle after a penalty and a good ball set for the Roosters. Warrior Hargraves off the off the tack where he's winding up off the back fence. Man hits him up under the ball, drives the ball out of his hands finishes the tackle off and sits him on his backside. We get the ball, then we go up and score at the other end. That, now, was, that was where the game changed. It went from a 50-50 game to we were well on top. Now, I, I, I want to give this background. I want to repeat this background again. If anybody is only just deciding to listen to us for the first time now, well, first of all, where have you been for the past two months? But second of all... Good to have you on board. Welcome. Yeah, welcome. welcome. Bredo, one of the things I said to you during the off-season, I want to make a big deal about it, was that I was so excited about doing this pod with you when we were reviewing our finals uh, loss to the Eels last year, and you pointed out that contact from Kurt Mann when he makes a tackle. You're like, he's he, when he gets his reads right, that that contact, that first contact when he's hitting up an attacker is, is some of the best in the game. And those ears have been ringing, those, sorry, those words have been ringing in my ears all off-season. 
And then they were ringing in my text messages yesterday after that hit <laughs> when you reminded me again, Kurt Mann's contact. And all of that background had been just been leading up to that moment yesterday to just completely change the game in our favour. It was, it was just a, a remarkable moment to watch for me personally. Well, first of all, the Tedesco no, no try was a Kurt Mann pathetic missed tackle with poor contact. So I got <laughs> dug out of a hole there. But I also think that woke I also think that woke Kurt up. Yeah. I think from that moment on he he you know, that was just all footballers do it. I've seen, you know, the, the greats of the game miss that tackle. Andrew Johns has been run over before, you know, like the greats the greats missed tackles. That's not the issue. But Kurt, yeah, well that was a poor attempt on Tupo in the thing. But it all but Kurt man, his technique is great. He knows he's smaller than most of the guys he tackles. And I'm sure when he was a kid, he was smaller than everybody he tackled because he looks like one of those kids that was, you know, that looked like, you know, an under-12 when he was playing under-15s. That's sort of the way he played. So he, his technique is what's kept him safe, what's kept him in the game, what's got him to the level he's at now. So his contact always had to be good. His issue was he couldn't read the play particularly well. Mm. And he was, and he play, and especially defending in the backs, he was never good enough to be have the and sorry never fast enough to have the pace to be able to adjust and make up f- for the lack of reading the play. So the guy got slight on his outside. Kurt would miss the tackle because he because he couldn't just get the shoulder square on him. He was never he was never fast enough to make up for it like a lot of guys do. Like Bradman Best gets caught out a lot, but he's fast enough to then make up a bit of ground and make the tackle. Yep. But Kurt, when guys are running straight at him, he, he hits with his shoulder. He bends at the knees and at the waist. He has his head up. And he drives forward from the hips, which is exactly how you get taught to tackle in rugby league. It's exactly how you tackle. You tackle from underneath. If you're tackling someone front on, you tackle from underneath the ball and drive your shoulder up through the arms, through the ball. So eventually your shoulder hits the guy square in the chest. That's how you tackle front on in rugby league. And that JWH tackle was perfect. It should be put into a, a manual on how you tackle a bigger guy front on. It, it took me back to Trevor Gilmeister, the axe. You know that famous. Yeah, it's exactly, exactly, exactly right. It's exactly how Trevor Gilmaster tackled. Trevor Gilmaster was really small for a guy that played in the forwards in that era. Um, yeah, it's exactly how he tackled. He got low. He lifted his head, so his head was always in the right spot. He eyed the target and he hit it with his shoulder. It's exactly what Kurt did. As you said, we 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 got the ball back, and I, I want to go through this next play in a fair amount of detail, actually, because I had a really interesting conversation with a with a Roosters fan after the game. So. <clears throat> We managed to get the ball back and we get ourselves in a position where I think we have a mini break up the field. Ponga through the middle, offloads to Mann, out to Fitzgibbon, off to Bradman Best. He does the Gidley flick for Tuala. Now, I, for, for, the, for the try, uh, Clifford misses the conversion attempt. We're, we're up 10-0. Now, after the game... I had an opportunity to speak with um, some very friendly Roosters fans who were very impressed with the overall performance. And one of the things that they said was they said, your attack was moving so well from side to side, our players defensively just didn't have an opportunity to set themselves and get ready to stop the attack. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he sort of said, right. He said, well, if you look at the way you kept changing your left to right plays in attack to open us up, that was where you were creating the space. And I said, oh, do you think that's a bit of an Andrew Johns influence? He said, absolutely not. He said, that is a storm influence. 
And if you look at the try, if you look at the lead-up play for the Tuala try, I think Chris the Chad Randall goes right to Clifford. Clifford then goes left to Clune, and then Clune then goes right to KP, who goes through that space. And by that stage, the defensive line is broken. We've we've had a line break. We've got open play, and we were able to swiftly move it out wide to get Tuala to score. It was... It looked like it was this sort of play where you're like, oh, yeah, that's that's sort of good off-the-cuff play. No, that was absolutely trained, and that was an absolute – that was a tactical move that we'd sort of made to try and um, score points. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. It's, it's a set play, and the good thing about that play is the fact that the play's designed for KP to just go straight through the middle. So the K, the, the, that, that play works perfectly. KP hits a gap. He's one of them on the fullback. That doesn't happen. KP gets halfway through and gets grabbed, and then the support that's wide. But then once KP offloads the ball, I think it was the Clune, or either Clune or Man, and um, and but then they're immediately looking to spread to Bradman. Yes. So it's not. It's not. We've made half a break. Let's hit the ground and get up and play the ball quickly, which is how we always played. If we made a bit of space, we get up and the next ruck would be wasted because a forward would come run and be a great run, you know, because. The, the ruck would be blown apart and the defensive line would be all over the shot and the next forward would make 20, 25 metres. But by the time he got tackled, the defensive line would be reset. But we immediately went during the play. We didn't even get tackled. During the play, we thought, well, Bradman's going to be in space out there because the entire defensive line is blown apart. And, yeah, it got to the point where it was three on two and then sort of they shuffled enough to be two on two, but it meant that Bradman had time and space and one-on-one with a guy not half as big as him. Bradman then does Bradman stuff and, and creates the space for Tuala with the big palm and then the flick. But that's the difference between what I saw yesterday and what we did last year. Last year, KP gets tackled and we hit up the next ruck and then we try and put on a play. That's not it. The The play was immediately, let's get it out wide. We had And we had support play as well. Like how many times would you sort of say, and I was doing it a number of times yesterday, where's the support? And then my mate Joe was standing next to me. He's like, oh, there's the support there. I was like, oh. I'm not used to us doing that. Our support play was superb yesterday. Yeah, and we you know, we bombed some chances. Like yeah. the, the KP pass up the uh, to Fitzy that he dropped. Um, there was one that popped up the Bradman in the second half that he dropped through support play. Maybe you know, maybe they were shocked that there was support play there, and and we panicked. But um, no, even when Gags made the big break mm. and he couldn't touch the ball to Dom, there was three guys inside. The Roosters had done well and sort of got themselves in amongst the the. Uh, the Knights support players, but there were still three guys there, you know, to potentially get the pass to run away. Um, very un Knights. It was, yeah, it was really encouraging. I thought I thought Lockie had a great game yesterday. I, I don't want to drag his his name too much um, because there was another break where I thought he picked the wrong play. He went left when he should have gone back inside right for man under the posts. Um, I, I thought, he, but I thought he had a great game yesterday. He, I, I understand he did pick up an ankle injury though, so there's potentially some doubt for him next weekend. Um, but yeah, but uh, you know, as a, as a whole, just across the park, our forwards were bending the line, taking the hit ups, creating the the uh, the space, but our backs and our kick return and that defensive like soundness on the edges was all there. And these were all qualities that I'm just, I've seen them all independently from the Knights over, over the years. It was so rare to see them all happening at once in the same game. Yeah, you're right. 
there's been times throughout the last few years where we've been really good at small effort areas, but not all of them. We seem to hit all those effort areas yesterday, um, both sides of the ball. It, um, and when you said that the guys had sort of said to you that it's storm-like, it was not just storm-like the style of attack either side of the ruck. It was the ability to keep doing that because that wears you out. Like, it's the one style of attack that it wears the defence out because they've got to keep moving. But it also wears your attack out because you're constantly on the move. You're constantly going sideline to sideline. Your halves are constantly, you know, moving across the ruck. Your hooker's going from one side of the field to the other side of the field. It's very taxing in attack as well. You've got to be extremely fit to be able to do that for long terms. For long for long term periods of a game, um, yeah. And if you can do it, means that you wear the defence down. Even a team as fit and as good as the Roosters wore down from it. Um, it was storm like in that we kept being able to do it. The guys were there, and even after we'd played that expansive attack, and even after we defended our line, and even after we played ten minutes with twelve men, we could still do it. You know, very 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 impressive. Um. First first half finishes ten to two. Um, the only points the the Roosters ended up getting was from the penalty goal at the end. Everybody likes to make fun of the the Raiders for being faders, but I'll tell you what, mate. When it comes to the Knights, nothing sometimes scares me more than the Knights having a halftime lead, even at home, but particularly away from home. At 10-2 yesterday, as a Knights fan, that game was still significantly in the balance when the second half kicked off. Oh, yeah. Like, there's no... We've seen it before. We've had, you know, 10, 12-point leads. And five, and before you've got back from getting your beer, we're behind. You know? <laughs> that, that, that's, happened, that's happened many, many times. I haven't away. Um, yeah, I, I was... Petrified's not the right word, but I really just had that sinking feeling in my gut. Well... Oh my God, that was great, but there's still 40 minutes to go, and in five minutes' time, I, I might be in pain. There's a lot. There's obviously a lot to talk about in terms of what happened uh, in the second half. Um, but as you as you say, I mean, you sort of no. As I've already said, I never felt comfortable with the game until the very end. But what the one thing the Knights needed to do to start that second half was be the first to score, and we did it. And it was just so funny that yesterday was a game where finally the Knights realised, if we're going to win these games, these are the points in the games where you know, these are the points in the game where you know the things you need to do, and they did them. You know, they, they bounced back from the no-try decision to take advantage of it. You know, they they, they put on, Kurtman put on the hard hit from a penalty where we otherwise would have conceded. You know, we we, we scored the next try to, to to firm up that lead. And then we scored the first try in the second half to, to um, you know, capitalise or sort of, um, you know, strengthen that lead. We, we kept doing the things that winning teams do to get the result. Yeah, exactly. Um the gag I break, where I was talking about before, where we um, where we couldn't get the ball inside the dom. To me, that was I, I was concerned there because to me that was a chance to not ice the game, but it was hit, it was a clean break out of nothing. We score there, we go up by the more than two converted tries, and we're well on the path of victory. When we dropped that, I thought, oh, this is a chance where does that lift the rooster spirits? Does that you know, keep them in the game? Do we slightly drop our bundle? But we did it. We just kept at it and at it and at it and created, you know, the turnover which got us the cliff strike. 
You are listening to the Bay 53 Podcast. Mate, I, I want to take you through some statistics, or at least some um, some metres run. 167, 130, 200, 146, 109. Mate, when was the last time you can think of that our back five all ran 100-plus metres in a single game together? Oh, I, I don't think it would have ever happened. And if it did happen, it would have been a game that we won by a million and we had some long run some long runs in that, um, yeah, I, I could never, couldn't, couldn't think of that actually happening before. The 200 metres is for Dane Gagai. Now, he finished the game with uh, 52 post, uh, sorry, 57 post-contact metres. Um, one of the concerns you and I had towards the end of last year, and we felt like it was exposed a little bit in that Eels loss, but we were like, we don't cart the ball out enough. Like, our, our backs just don't do enough for us carrying that ball and they're leaving all of that up to our forwards. And yet we, um, we first game of the season, all five of our backs, 100 plus running meters, they were doing the hard stuff for the backs were doing the hard stuff for the, um, to help out the forwards yesterday. And we finished up with a hundred, a thousand and eight hundred, 1,815 running meters for the game. That is just a phenomenal all-round effort um, from the boys. Yeah, we um, Robo pointed out in his press conference how we had a deliberate style of the backs running towards the middle of the field, so they're creating metres and then getting in the middle of the field to open the field up for the next few rucks. And it actually, it's actually the style of Penrith play. They, they do the same. They bring the ball in the middle of the field to create to open the field up. But by the backs running those tackles and making those metres, means your forwards are resting. It then enables your forwards to front load their energy into defence, which then enables the line speed that we you know we know Penrith famous for, which is why our line speed in defence was so good, because the forwards aren't needing to get right back to the 10-metre line and rock it out of our, our area and then chase a kick. You know, because we've had a kick inside our 20, they've got to chase 50 metres downfield for a kick. You know, the, it's underestimate how important those first two tackles are coming out of your own end when your outside backs are running the ball. I want to talk about some uh, individuals for the Knights as well. Um, these are just as they sort of come to come to mind. One of the things that we discussed in our season preview was the idea of Mitchell Barnett transitioning from the 80-minute workhorse to the bench forward impact player. Oh, let me read some of these numbers to you, mate. 48 minutes uh, on the field, uh, 163 metres run, 92 post-contact metres. That's the, That was the highest uh, for any Knights player for the game. He even managed to pick up some uh, kick return metres as well. Uh, it, it's, it's a weird thing to say for a player who's used to being an 80-minute player, but that was possibly one of Mitch's uh, best games for the club. Yeah, it's it's... I see that as his role in the team now. I don't. I don't see him as an eighty-minute player. His um, his leg speed and his size and his aggression is suited to playing in the middle under Volandi's ball. Volandi's ball is all about being able to play fast through the middle. And Mitch has got that. He's got really good leg speed. He's really aggressive. He's great with line speed when he's fresh. Um, he was a real, real impact yesterday. He had the impact on the game that they were hoping JV Weech would have for them. Yes. Yes. Um, I thought Tyson Frizzell, 
I mean, he wasn't. He didn't stand out. None of the players really stood out yesterday. You know, Gagai and um, Clifford aside, um, but I thought that was uh, Tyson for, close to Tyson's best game for the club since he joined at the end of uh, 2020. He just he did his role and he did it well. And he was um, more than sol- solid in defence. And uh, he didn't need to be spectacular in attack. Yeah, no, he, yeah, you're right. He, it's very close to his best game for us. He was. Um, he was really good in the sense that he didn't play the typical Tyson Brazil role. He wasn't just a um, you know a draft horse. He, he wasn't just bashing a, a up sort of ball under the arm. He had his arms free. He's poking his nose through. He looked dangerous. He's got re- really, really, really good um, footwork and leg speed, Tyson. He, it sometimes gets wasted because he loves just to run into people. But I um, know he looked really dangerous on the edge, and it wasn't yeah, it wasn't the usual Tyson performance. He um, he really, he really offered something with the ball, and hopefully the guys see that on tape. And a few fellas are running off his hip next week, mate. One of the players you know that we were excited about, big Leo Thompson. Oh, is that boy made for first grade or what? How is that for a debut performance off the uh, off the bench? He must have finished the game going. Winning footy is easy. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're a Leo Thompson fan pod now, aren't we? Oh, mate. Big Leo. There's just – he's got that – he's just got that something about him, doesn't he? I, I, I can't describe it. I don't know if that it's a bit of cheekiness or if it's all toughness or if he's just a big monster or oh, – I love him. He came off the bench yesterday and he just looked like – they're just play they're, – they're professional athletes – that are just either made for it and they love it when they get in it or, or they're not. And he was he is made for the occasion. He was brilliant yesterday. He um he's a really interesting sort of puzzle piece for the team because he's got it all. He's big and aggressive and footwork and good leg speed. And he can throw a feet of me to cut out. You know, he was a rugby <laughs> centre. You know, like he, in, in rugby, the centre's – ball players that's yeah. a really important part of rugby you know the center needs to be able to ball play um yeah no he's got it all leo he um he might be the long-term lock i feel kurt will do the job this year but leo might be the long-term option let's uh let's have a look at a couple of our backs mate on i flipped a coin in my head and i want to talk about kaylin ponga first um he wasn't spectacular but I thought he was our million-dollar man yesterday. He was the captain. He was the captain of the Newcastle Knights, and I thought he led the side to a win yesterday. He did everything that you wanted from this star player, with the little C next to their name on the team list. Yeah, no, he was he was really good yesterday. You're right. Oh, nice so good. He didn't need to be spectacular yesterday. Other guys were doing that job. He made zero missed tackles, which, as we know, was a big knock on Kalen. So he didn't miss one of those. He didn't make a single error. He um, he covered up every kick, which sometimes he gets caught out positionally. None of that yesterday. He led the team around the park. He you know he was pointing, he was shouting, he, he was directing the play from the back. He uh, he did it all, and then you know in, in the post match stuff, he was really really great leader there too. Yeah. Uh, 160 running metres for him yesterday. He actually sort of managed to to reel off 49 post-contact metres as well, which, uh, I mean, all of our players were really hitting those high double digits uh, post-contact, um, which, you know, to me says that they were making the Roosters uh, earn every tackle. But what I loved about KP yesterday was that when he was when he wanted to be the man in attack, he picked his moments so well. 
just so well. He didn't overplay his hand so that he could still let the halves do what they needed to do. And in doing so, the halves created those opportunities for KP to do what he wanted to do. It was just so balanced across um, across that back line. Yeah, he was never he was never in the position where normally because he's so dominant, um, the way we play an attack, the defense can see him coming, they can point him out, they you know, they know where the play's coming from. But, but KP was never the center point of the attack. He just chimed in where he felt he was needed and where he saw some opportunities. And obviously, you know, he, he sort of made that half break which led to the to the Chihuahua try, you know, but his best play of the game was the thirty meter bully pass for the, the Dom try, which most mm. people sort of don't really notice because it doesn't look spectacular, but he was an absolute bullet, and that got us on the outside of the defence. Mate, let's talk about the match sealer for me, uh, the Dom Young try. But before we get to him, I don't think I've ever wanted someone to score a try as much as I did when Adam Clune made that break in the lead up to um, to the match sealer. I was I was ready for the Looney Clunes bandwagon to just blow up. My goodness, he, that is a great debut game for a Newcastle halfback. He was sensational yesterday. He, he was just in command. Uh, he, he did his role as the halfback. He moved the team around the park. And that show and go for that break to um, set up the fourth try, oh, chef kissy fingers. It was sensational. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting, that break. Because that break comes from the way we played for the entire game. So we, we wear them out. We wear them out structurally. We make them work across the field. They're so tightly in there. And that's where good play – like, what's Volandi saying? Oh, um, bring the little man into the game. Get tired forwards. The little man coming into the game. That's exactly what that play was. There was tired plays around him. He saw some space. And he just hit it. And he's, he's real fast, real fast. As you said, the, the KP left to right pass, cutout pass was just, um, it, you know, it got the ball on the spot. It gave us the, the numbers out wide. Um, Frizzell to Gagai. But, you know, I think I think Dong Myung announced himself as a superstar yesterday. He, um, you know, you and I were at the uh, Tigers game last year for his debut. It was clearly too early for him. He, 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 there were clearly so many elements to his game that he still needed to work on, and there was none of that yesterday. He won his one-on-one matchup with one of the most established wingers in the game at the moment, Daniel Tupu, and uh, yeah, Dominic won that battle and he won it easily. Uh, phenomenal, phenomenal showing from the young man. No pun intended. I believe the Roosters have contacted the Knights uh, this morning. We'll see if they can get Daniel Pukupi back out of Dom's pocket. <laughs> next week. Um, Dom just owned him, absolutely owned him. Every time TV touched it, Dom smashed him. And Dom got him on the outside of him several times before he even scored. 130 all-run metres, 24 kick return metres as well, 43 post-contact metres. Dom, he just played like an established first grader. And he played like an experienced one as well. And those two try savers uh, in the second half, where he fought—I mean, one of them—he's just. I think I think they've had to send a um, excavation crew out to that section of the SCG where Dom absolutely buried Tupu last uh, yesterday. He just because yeah. so good friend of the pod uh, Nagy Nagwell. We'd been sort of talking during the week, and I said, oh, "Look, I think we're a chance this weekend." And he's like, I'm really concerned about our edges. And I didn't want to admit to it, but he was absolutely right. You know, 
for for all intents and purposes, the experience of the Roosters should have more than had our number out wide. Well, Dane Gagai aside, but now it's Dane's first game for the club. Who who knows how he was going to sort of uh, fit in? That was it. Just wasn't the case. There was no space on those edges for any of the Roosters' outside backs to do anything yesterday. It was it was impressive in that there was zero panic. So every time they look, they get a bit of space or have a slightly outnumbered or have his backpedaling, no one panicked. There was a couple of times where Crichton was sort of there and he, he'd run 20 metres, but he was never going to do anything. He was just running down the field while the defence were waiting for the opportunity to come in and tackle him. Um, we really created the um, the illusion of space and then shut it down, which is what Melbourne do. Melbourne make you think that you've got space, and then the minute you go there, they go, no, 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 we've got someone right there, and we smash up. And then we did that really well yesterday. We, you know, we created that illusion of space. We drew them to where we wanted them to be with the ball, and then they're waiting for them. And that was exactly what happened on that um, where Don smashed depot. We only had 12 men on the field there defending our line. So automatically you think well, they've got to have numbers. And we let them think that. But Dom made the sideline the 13th man. So Dom knew that if it, it, Tupu gets on his outside, Dom knows he's fast enough to take those four or five steps there before Tupu's got space. So Tupu gets the ball, Dom then steps in front of him, Tupu's got to stop and then try and run over him. And Dom's going, no, unlucky son, and pick him <laughs> and on his back. Uh, I think another potential turning point for the club or the team as a whole was um, the way we handled the Phoenix Crossland sin bin, which I didn't think was a sin bin. Um, oh, he, he was a sin bin, yeah. No, nah, okay. Well, he see, grabbed I, him, he grabbed him, you can't grab him. But I, see, I sort of thought, like, Phoenix goes to tackle him before he kicks that ball. No, no, no. No? 100%. He, he took two steps and Phoenix grabbed him. Mm, I, was, yeah. I, I thought... He, I he thought, was done for Phoenix. The ball, the ball nearly hit the back fence on the full, he was done. Well, but that's the, yeah, and that's the other thing as well. Like that was a Mitchell Pierce kick for the in goal. Like it, the only way that uh, Sam Walker was going to catch that ball was when it bounced back off again, and he caught the rebound. So you're absolutely. But, but, but they call that a professional foul because Phoenix deliberately. That was like yeah. in soccer where you deliberately take a man down to stop the play getting away. That if they get a yellow card, that's exactly what that was. Phoenix did not give Sam Walker the opportunity to do anything. Yeah. Phoenix, it was, it's not the referee doesn't care the fact that Phoenix is uh, Walker's not going to get it. Phoenix deliberately took him out of play so he couldn't create anything. So we were down to 12 men for 10 minutes, and normally that's when we concede the two tries to make it a close game again. We still looked like we had more than enough players on the field defensively. It, it was just, it was just such a, a storm like Panthers like performance by the Knights boys. Yeah, we we never looked we never looked troubled when we were down at twelve man. No, like Knights fans were sweating, we were all sweating bullets, but the boys were comfortable. They really, really looked comfortable. We um, we never we never looked in trouble. They, you know, they they kept going sideline to sideline at our line, and they never looked like scoring. We um, even even when they got close to the line, it was only close to the line because we were deliberately tackling them in those spots. They weren't actually nearly scoring. Um, no, we we never were untroubled, which. Blows my mind. Like the stat that blew my mind we played 80 minutes against the Roosters on a sunny day on a fast track and conceded zero line breaks. Zero. I know zero. No, no, no line breaks whatsoever. Zero line breaks. And it's sort of. I mean, it. it I'm drawing a bit of a long bow here, but it almost um, confirms the reason as to why that uh, 
that Tedesco no try was correct because the only time they did break the line yesterday was when they did it illegally. <laughs> correct. Yeah, no. Thrown fast surface, SCG, Saturday afternoon, James Tedesco, Luke Curie, Walker, Crichton, Connor Watson, zero line breaks. Mate, I want to talk to you about Connor Watson. I mean, I, as a knight, I loved Connor in the team. I was sad to see him go. Uh, cards on the table. I thought yesterday he showed all the reasons as to why it was probably to our benefit that he left. Uh, I mean, what do you what do you say? We we were told that Connor in the Roosters system was going to be allowed to finally reach his potential, but it, a, a lot of a lot of yesterday I just saw the same old Connor. There was just that um, that lack lack of polish that sort of he needs to to go to that elite level. Yeah, you're right. It's the lack of polish. You know, he produced one piece of magic and ten chits. Like, you know, that's that's Connor. He, um, I don't, I don't, I don't. He's an enigma to me. Like, I watch him play and go, this kid could be anything. He's got all the skills, all the skills. You know, he's tough. He's fast. He's got footwork. He's got all the skills, but he just, they're just brain explosions. Too many of them. Two or three times a game, he just drops the ball cold. He, you know, he, he misses. He misses a simple tackle. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I thought he'd get off the Roosters, and I didn't think he'd be, you know, outstanding. And they don't think that either. That's why they bought Brandon Smith for next year. Um, but no, he was poor. He was probably the worst player on the field yesterday. Yeah, blew my mind. I thought it was very interesting yesterday how the narrative went from the Roosters are going to show up the not the Knights with the worst halves in the comp. After the game, that flipped to, well, this is what happens when you don't let your your halves gel like the Roosters haven't. So that explains away their loss. And I was sort of, I was like, well, hang on. We were the worst halves in the comp before. What what difference does it make if you guys haven't had an, you've had a whole off season to get ready for this. You knew who you were playing. They've had just, two off seasons. They've had two off seasons to train together, but they were training together last off season, then this off season. We had a completely new combination. Yeah. I just, I just found it very interesting that, uh, you know, the Knights were the ones that were supposed to be looking for the excuses, but when we won the game, there were more than enough excuses as to why it was an explainable result for the for the Roosters. It was, to be honest, I thought it was really sort of disappointing from a Knights perspective, given what we'd sort of come up against from speculation in the off season. Um, the 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 Roosters halves got outplayed. It's just as simple as that. But that's always the rugby league narrative. When there's an upset that people that have no idea and no no brain in their head um, make a narrative that a team can't win, that, then that team wins. Well, it has to be that the other team were really bad. Mm. That's not the case. It's just the rugby league narrative. Like, I guarantee you, NRL 360 tomorrow will be all about how bad the Roosters were. The Roosters were bad because they, were, they weren't allowed to be good. You know, it's, it's as simple as that. Anyone that doesn't think that we're... That we're at least a top eight contender doesn't know rugby league, doesn't pay attention, and it's because they don't reckon they recognise our roster. There's so many guys there that they don't pay any attention to. We normally play in crappy time slots now. We don't play on Channel Nine all that often, and we do it Sunday Arvo, and you know those ratings aren't as good as you know your Thursday and Friday nights. Um, the narrative will always be about how the risk is being bad, and it's just wrong. Like we, they weren't allowed to be good. If Melbourne played like we played yesterday, people were going, "Oh, Melbourne are rolling straight into the new season, Premiership favourites again." Yeah, what, what do you do? Um, 
Oh yeah, look, I, <laughs> I mean, I sort of, I, uh, I completely agree with you. I, um, and you know, you and I have sort of said a little bit. A lot of the, um, a, a lot of the speculation and a lot of the crit- criticism that comes our way sometimes we're, we're makers of our own demise in that regard. Um, I think though, for you and I, I, I definitely for me, the biggest satisfaction came yesterday when, you know, we said for a while we know the potential in this team. It was so satisfying to see a performance where we were like, well, that's what we've been talking about. We, we haven't been imagining it. The, the way that team played yesterday, we've always maintained at their, um, when they're fit and at their best, that's what they're capable of doing. And they actually went out and just did it. Yeah, full credit to the coaching staff. Um, that was... That was surprising to me in the sense that I didn't expect us to be that finely tuned in round one. Oh, That's yeah. how I, I was always confident we could be a good team this year. And, you know, I, I predict us to finish, what, about fifth? So, yeah. obviously, I, I had high hopes. But I didn't expect us to be that sharp with the ball and that um, switched on in defence. But Barry Tui made a great point the other day. The coaches improved the defence every year so far. So, yes. we went from pathetic to not great to last year we were pretty fair. We were middle, middle of the pack. And our defence got us into the finals. To now, you know, we might be at the point where you know we're a, a top-tier defensive team. And with the attacking strike we've got, if we can um, score, you know, score the points that I think we can, we'll win most games. Um, to their credit, I actually I, I was very lucky to speak, as I said, with a lot of the a lot of Roosters fans post game. Uh, as we were, I mean, you can imagine me, I'm leaving the SCG, and I'm, just, I'm still trying to figure out if it happened or not. To the credit of a lot of Roosters fans, they were very uh, gracious about it, and they didn't reach for the oh, well, you know. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't reach for any of the excuses in terms of oh, we just didn't show up, or oh, you know, we can play better. They just went, uh, you just wouldn't let us do what we want, what we normally do. But so the, the the Knights just obviously showed up today wanting it more, and if we weren't good, it was just because you wouldn't let us. Like you just had us covered across the park, and the Knights have won against the Roosters in Sydney before. I can't remember too many Roosters fans saying that about too many Knights wins. Not, not in my experience. No, that's exactly right. Like as I said, even the glory days, we never we never played that style of football. Um, the challenge for the Knights now, but is to back that up. Yes. It's one thing to ambush the Roosters in round one. You know, it's now there's tape on it and teams will work out how we defend and how we attack. And as the season rolls on, you know, that, that'll... Um, That'll need to be improved as teams improve, but it's a great start of the year. Um, yeah, I don't, know. I don't, I don't know what to say. I think that if that's our best, that's not, that's not good enough. That might be a team that can make the eight, but we need to be, you know, another thirty percent better than that by the end of the season to be, to be up there with the better teams. Stick around for the second part and our answers to your questions. Sports Best Friends would like to thank you for listening right to the end. You are our kind of people. 
Find other great sports podcasts in our family by subscribing. And remember, social media isn't a bad place. You just need to follow the right people.